Today we're going to talk about something most of us don't enjoy, and that is confrontation, okay? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you enjoy confrontation, because that wouldn't look too good on you, okay? Um, I didn't ask you, would you like to confront some things, okay? Uh, In fact, um, with every couple, there's one person, every married couple, there's one person like me, which goes into gorilla mode. Okay, and then there's that other spouse that's like, listen, I listen, I don't want to spook a thing, I don't want to say a thing, let's just sit tight. And the other one's like, listen, I've been mad for one second, let's go handle this. Okay? But you know what? I looked up the definition of confrontation and I realized why the world's view of confrontation is so negative. Okay? And it's because of this. I'm gonna give you a working definition. It's not up on the screen. Worldly confrontation, it is a hostile or argumentative meeting or situation between opposing parties. It is a hostile, argumentative meeting or situation between opposing parties. Listen, God's not asking you to have a hostile argument. God is not with anybody in your life. Is he going, hey, you know what, just only... Um, care about you and, 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 and make them feel terrible. It, it, listen, God is pro every human because he made everybody, okay? It, by the way, you don't have to like everybody to love everybody, okay? Uh, you don't have to, um, if you love somebody, doesn't mean you want to hang out all the time with them. You know, there may be things that, that you just, for whatever reason. But I want you to hear this. The world's view of confrontation is, is there's nothing good that comes from that except um, some hot-headed uh, discussion, But Christ-like confrontation is completely opposite. I want you to hear that. Christ-like confrontation, write that down. It is counter-cultural, okay? It is counter-cultural. It is not about copying the world. It is not about cussing, screaming, and fighting or posting things on social media. I don't know if you've been like me, but sometimes I get afraid, but I'm on Facebook, and I see that question that says, hey, what are you thinking? What would you like to say? I'm like, I need to shut this thing right down. One, because my mama's not going to be all right with it. Two, because I'm the preacher. Okay, so a lot of times people think the preacher ain't supposed to have feelings. I promise you, I got all kind of feelings. I got feelings for days. If you want to stick around, I'll tell you. Okay? But I got to know you enough and know I can trust you enough to talk about, um, you, know, you know, that. But, but listen, um, confrontation is not about cussing, screaming, fighting, and posting something to put somebody else down and maybe make you look better. It is not about what we want. I want you to write that down. It's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. It is what is best. Here's the big key. Here should be a motivator. Confrontation, Christ-like confrontation, when, when, when God is calling you to it and when you do it his way, it is best for everyone. I want you to hear that. Get over your fear of confronting certain things that really is if you could confront them, and if you could confront them in the right way, will be the key to liberty for you and could be the key for breakthrough with them. Listen, true believers, if you call yourself a Christian, all right, if you call yourself a Christian in here, then that's you saying you're a Christ follower. So if you're going to be a Christ follower, you don't need to go, hey, what do I feel like doing? Not, not, not how do I feel like I should treat this person or that person because of what they've done to me. But Jesus is like, listen, here's how you love your enemy. Here's how you treat your neighbor. Treat them as you would want someone to treat you. I want to share with you today five things to consider before you confront anyone. 
Each of these, as I said, I didn't get them in a book. I didn't get them any place. God was like, man, tell the people these five things. Every one of them, you can put down underneath the title, the five A's to confrontation. The five A's to confrontation. The first is this. Consider your alternatives. When it comes to confrontation, consider your alternatives. What am I saying there? Consider your options. Okay? Is this confrontation necessary? And therefore, probably unavoidable, okay, if you're going to move forward. But is this worth confronting? Is this worth you having a hissy fit over? I don't know about you, but I've had some hissy fits in my time, okay? I have gone hillbilly deluxe on times that there's not even any reason. I just felt like a hillbilly that day, okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I hate to bring old Blake Shelton into this, but either you got the hillbilly bone, bone, bone in you or you don't. I told y'all, y'all get an unedited version. Try just edit this however you got to for, for, for other people to view later. But I just want you to know, I know what it's like to feel and operate on impulse, okay? My wife, she said something to me really stuck out to me several years back. She said, basically, as Craigie goes, we go. Which means this, if I'm in a crazy mood, everybody's having to go crazy. If I'm in a good mood, that everybody, hey, it's, uh, it's peace and quiet. But really, it isn't. Because as soon as you get right, you know, it's one of your kids in the back. You're like, I'm about to kill you. Quit acting like me. That's what we have happen at our house, though. So, okay? I mean, so if, it, if it ain't me, like, like, soon as I even get myself better, then all of a sudden, the Lord, because of all I've been putting my wife through, then she turns into, like, hey, I don't really feel like talking about all that. But listen, you're one of two type people in here. Either you like to confront things head on or you like to run away from things. I want to tell you, the truth lies somewhere in between. You should never be too quick to make any kind of major confrontation. Ask yourself this, what if I don't confront this issue? Instead of, instead of going, what, what, what might happen bad if I confront this issue? What might never happen if I don't confront this issue. What could God do if I courageously took the next right step and confronted things? Listen, there's many times in life that confrontation is unavoidable and often necessary. And here's what you've got to do before you go into any confrontation. You've got to let God direct your heart. You've got to let God um, uh, give you all the insight and wisdom possible. And anytime I'm going to do something major, I, I typically I seek wise counsel from others. Maybe someone who's dealt with that type of stuff or just maybe another brother or sister in Christ that I can um, trust. And I seek to let God lead my heart. Proverbs 4, 5 through 7 says, Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Listen, most of the stupidest things I've ever done, I have done in a reactionary fashion. Uh, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and save some marriages right now. When your spouse, particularly guys, spouts off something suddenly and, and lets out again what we call in our house mouth vomit, trust me, I'm going to tell you this, this is man one-on-one. No, we didn't mean 90% of what we said, but it don't mean that 90% of what we said didn't need to be said. Okay? You can, you can sometimes write a check that you, your, your bank can't cash. 
you know, and then you left, you left like me. See, my wife got me fixed one time. I, I don't know what I was saying on this particular time. All I know is I needed to run. And I was running. Some of you heard me say this one time in a similar fashion. So I was running. This was years back. And I'm running from her. And I'm trying to get around the kitchen table. And one of my boys is like, listen, you that scared of mama? I said, yes, now get out of the way. And I meant every word. Because if you can't fight back or you know you're not going to fight back, but yet you know that they got reason to kill you, you run too. Some of you men, you know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Um, I, I, I loved it when my wife, um, it, it, you know, you grow. I, I think this really filters in a lot to marriage. I think a lot of people in marriage, if, um, only way you don't have conflict in your marriage is because you never talk, okay? But if you're actually talking and you try to have deep conversations, I promise you, you're going to have differences, and you're going you're gonna to have to learn how to fight, okay? Instead of just, just fighting in a bad way, you've got to learn how to fight. But, um, so it happens with everybody. But you've got to make sure that you don't allow yourself to, to, to just completely get out there and, and, and feed conflict in your marriage, in your relationships. Proverbs 18.13 says this, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I have both been both shameful and foolish, not a few times, a lot, okay? I'm so glad my wife's not able to be in here during this service where she could just be like, amen, amen. But I also want you to know this, my wife knows that I have allowed God to work on me, Okay? How many of you know we all are a work in progress, right? So I've allowed God to work on me. And, um, and, and every now and then, actually, because of how I've been in, in, in some of those moments or, or quick to, to, to spew on something and trying to fix something that really I just needed to listen to, um, you know, every now and then, I'll just send my wife a text. I mean, we're in the same house. I'm sending my wife a text going, listen, I don't know how you did it, but thank you for still putting up with me. Thank you for letting me grow up, you know? You know, you always have to ask yourself, is this worth saying something? And is, is this worth the fight? If there's something you know you need to confront, okay, there's no around it, getting around it, then you need to really tune into what I'm going to share today because I'm going to share with you how you approach that. The second thing is this. When you're going to confront something in a Christ-like way, you've got to consider your attitude. So, so you've decided and determined you know you need to confront something, you need to, you, you got to find a way to come about it. You got to find God's time and God's way. It starts with your attitude. Everything starts with your heart and attitude. Not what have they said, not how are they acting. It is about you. If you're going to follow Christ's example, you will see that Christ never was reactionary. Okay? Even when he was on the cross, he's like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had these traits. Write them down. He was humble. He was loving, gracious, and spirit-led. He was humble, he was loving, he was gracious, and spirit-led. Now, don't take that for someone who didn't face things head-on. Jesus spoke the truth, but he did it in love. Jesus embodied grace and forgiveness. Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies. Jesus led us by his actions. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 8, it says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Notice he's asking, are yours? Then make me truly happy. 
by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Who it goes on to say, he gave up his divine privileges. He didn't try to play an equal to God. He humbled himself, took a humble position. He humbled himself to obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You've heard the saying, two wrongs don't make a what? And oftentimes what we think to ourselves is, hey, if they did that, then I have permission to do this. If you want to act like everybody else, live like everybody else, you'll look like everybody else. To me, the greatest way that Christians can stand out and be a beaming light in our culture is to quit acting like everybody else. Because, listen, I want you to hear it. That's the easiest way. Anybody can just fly off on the mouth. Anybody can just react. And, and I want you to understand, we all have that impulse to want to get even. Listen, you can't expect things. I want you to hear this. You cannot expect things to get better if you continue to live bitter. You can't make anyone forgive you, but you can choose to forgive them. I didn't say you could forget what they've done, nor that you can just get over it, okay? There's, there's several people in my life that I've been forgiving them, but I hadn't got over what they've done, okay? But I'd sit down. There's not one person in my life to this day, and I've dealt with a whole lot of hillbillies over my time, that I wouldn't sit down with any time with a cup of coffee and say, hey, I love you. Let's talk. Like I said, doesn't mean I want to be best friends forever. Doesn't mean that I feel called that we're always talk or this or that. But, but I let it go. You see, I'm not, um, the, the war is not within me. Um, the, the responsibility now lies on them. I want you to understand, this is what happens when you choose to not forgive the other person is that both of you end up becoming prisoners. Both of you end up being prisoners of unforgiveness. Listen, many people live the rest of their life bitter because they never allowed God to change their attitude within. Listen, when you can't make peace with anybody else, you can always make peace with God in your heart. And I think this message will help you understand that. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. There are times that the biggest thing we have to do before we can approach something that we're heavy-hearted about or very emotional about is we have to make sure we let God settle us. You're, the worst thing that can happen when you go to confront anything is for Christ not to be seen through you. Because more than likely, nothing's good going to come of that. You know, it's, it's, it's not about the, the, the anger of man. Nothing good comes from the anger of man, but it is about, it, you know, the righteousness of God. You can be upset, by the way. You know, I mean, sometimes people do things that you're like, listen, I, I'm just beyond upset. I'm beyond disappointed. I'm beyond words. At the same time, listen, there's no time that we've been given permission to play Judge Judy. How many of you will admit that you've watched at least one episode? I'm convinced. Every time I go to visit my mom, she must either have that thing on record 
And she's, but every time, it's on. And y'all know good and well, what y'all doing is the same thing we do. We're waiting to see, we're waiting to see her yell at the next person. Let them have it. You know, we wouldn't even be watching. If she ain't letting them have it, we're cutting it off. We're not, watch, we're not trying to watch Andy Griffith. We're trying to watch Judge Judy. But I want you to understand, never does God's word give us permission to play Judge Judy. You, if you walk into a situation only to, to point out to someone else where they're wrong and where they failed and what, what, how bad they are and how good you are, you might as well know if that's a high-level confrontation, tense type of thing, there is not going to be any breakthrough. All that you're doing is pouring gas and fuel on the flames. They're going to feel worse, things are going to get worse, and you're going to walk away feeling worse. Listen, even if you feel that, that the way that they're approaching things is wrong, it does not justify your approach. You know, pride goes before the fall. There's been times in my life that I thought I had humility. And God has shown me, especially over the last five, six years, that we can always grow further on that, okay? And that it's, it's extremely important that when I walk into the room to talk to anyone, that I am over myself. That I'm not coming in with a, with a knife ready to jab them or with every finger pointed at them. I'm looking in my own backyard. I'm letting God get a hold of me. And I'm walking in humbly, not just trying to defend myself or defend my cause, but I am there hoping to, to repair the relationship, but most of all, to make peace in relationships. You know, Scripture says that a, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Listen, anything Christ ever said or did, it was fueled by love. And if he ever did get upset, the most with anybody, it was really with people that were self-righteous people who knew all of the Word of God but yet wanted to judge everybody else. Where would any of us be if God's love wasn't full of grace? Where would we be? If God, if God treated us the way that we deserve to be treated at times, how many of us would have been, been hit by lightning? Before you confront anything, I want you to write this down. You have to make sure that you are clothed in humility. That you're not, that you, you may address the sin or the, 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 the hardship or the hurt. Address the sin without trying to attack the sinner. Let everything you say and do be motivated by love. Make sure you're prayed up and that you're just saying, hey, you know what? I walked in this not with an agenda, but just humbly trying to do what I can because you, you cared about that person or you cared about that relationship or you just wanted them to know that, that, that you are processing things God's way. But thirdly, when you go to confront something, you need to consider your audience. You need to consider your audience. This one's huge. If you don't know who you're looking at, you're about to find out. Okay, some of you know what I'm talking about. So, there's some people, for instance, you're going, I don't know why I'm confronting that one because I know they're going Kung Fu Panda. There's others of you who so, say, well, I'm not going to confront this person or that person because they have a tendency to withdraw. Listen, mo most people are one or the other. Either, either a heavy confrontation makes you want to just withdraw and, and go, well, hey, I'm just not talking to you anymore, or it makes you want to uh, buck up. But is, is the person you're trying to address, are they family? Do you have to live with them? By the way, if, if the people that you need to confront, you have to live with them, 
it, confrontation is not an option. You've got to figure out how to confront things because those relationships are worth it. How many mothers would ever say, well, hey, you know what? No matter where my child goes, that I wouldn't care still about that relationship, okay? They could do everything wrong under the book. They could have said everything hurtful that they could have said. But a mother or father, if you care about your, your child and you're sober-minded, th there's nothing they could do that you wouldn't want to have that relationship, amen? But ask yourself, is this a family member? Is this a friend? And then here's a biggie. Is, are they a believer or are they a non-believer? Because you can't expect a, a non-Christ follower to act like a Christ follower. And I want you to hear this. Let's just say you are dealing with someone who's not a Christian, and yet you're claiming to be this devoted Christian. Who should be showing Christ more? You and I. You and I. But when you're approaching someone, you have to ask yourself, what has the past proven about how they have respond, responded or, or interpret things? And then this, how well do you truly understand them? I want you to write this down. You need to seek to understand, not just to be understood. The biggest twist that I think God changed in my thinking anytime I'm wanting to go to a deeper, better relationship with someone is I need to be listening and hearing their heart more than trying to make sure that they only hear my heart. They need to feel your heart, but you need to hear their heart. In fact, um, sometimes you can be dealing with somebody and, and you think they're upset with you, but really they're just so stressed because of other things that are going on in their life. It's not even personal. You just happen to be around. It's like, it's like I said about a baby. You pick up a baby and you're like, my Lord, why did that baby just spit up on me? Well, you just happen to be the lucky one. You know, they was all shook up. You know what I'm saying? They were all shook up. And so that it, it just happened to, to throw up on you. And, and, and so usually the louder the bark when I deal with somebody, this is exactly what I think to myself. I'm just talking about it. It's just this constant, the greater the issues. It's an indicator to me there are a lot of things unresolved. And guess what? God has not called me to fix anybody. He's called me to love everybody. And part of loving somebody is to seek to understand them. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Just as much as we're to live with understanding of one another in, in a marital relationship, we need to do that with our kids. We need to do that with our family. We need to do that with our friends. We need to do that, period, with one another as believers in Christ. Listen, you shouldn't be running into anything just to tell a person how awful and how stupid and how worthless they are. I can see some people now. Tell me how you really feel, you know? Listen, you need to go into any, any con confrontation you're going about. Since, since the person you're talking to is someone who matters to God, who was created by God, who has a plan that God has for them, even if they're not living it, you need to go in saying, hey, I'm not just hoping to get my agenda accomplished or get my opinion heard, but I'm trying to come here to the best of my ability to see God reconcile this relationship to whatever the degree that can be. Sometimes that's just peace. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 23, the Apostle Paul, he said, he said, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. 
I, I can tell you that's the heartbeat of this ministry, Francis, okay? If somebody's asking me, first of all, I found some secrets about catching fish. So y'all going to see a whole lot more posts anytime I get to go catfishing. But I ain't telling you how I'm catching them. I'm not telling you where I'm catching them, okay? But I'm going to say something to you that's going gonna, gonna to actually sound, it may sound arrogant, but I hope you hear my heart. Um, I'm pretty passionate about this church and this ministry, okay? I'm like really, really passionate, like committed the rest of my life kind of passionate. This is what my, me and my wife, we live and breathe it. It's seven days a week, 24-7 for me. I've dealt with as much in the last 48 hours as anybody sometimes around here deals with a month in ministry because it's just what we do, okay? And so one of the secrets about Refuge Church is this, is, is, is we're not trying to, to just... Um, you know, get everybody to look like us, act like us, and connect like us. We're trying to meet people where they are. In fact, if you walked in here for the first time and you don't feel like you are welcomed, I promise you, you are. If you don't feel like, um, you know, somebody cares about where you are and will love you right where you are, I promise you, we will. And, and, and what's so awesome about the church is, is the heartbeat of it isn't just me. You can go to any leader we got behind the scenes and all you will see is heart. You'll see a uh, heart for God, and you'll see a heart for people. And that's why our vision over here is, is we're loving, lifting, and leading people to Jesus. Love God and people, lift Jesus in everything that we do and say, and continue to lead other people to Christ. And it's important you hear this. You can't make anybody do anything. I mean, that's even the case with children, okay? Yeah, I know you got one option where you could kill them, but uh, that's not an option either. But bottom line is, you, you can't make anybody do anything. And the greatest way you can influence someone and you can help situation is to let Christ take over you. And listen, instead of just looking for the differences or staring at the pain, where can you find unity? Where can you find common ground? I'm thinking about this as, as, as I was just speaking with someone about their grandmother passing. And, and uh, in fact, uh, one, one of the... Um, a guy just married um, last night, 7.30 in Harleyville. Um, his mom died 1 p.m. this morning at, at, at the hospital. And, and what I was just thinking on that is this. Um, if, when I would walk into a room with hospice, and let's just say every one of you represented the family, and I've never met you, and I'm coming to a room and, and, and the patient just got on hospice, and everybody on the, on the um, depending on their viewpoint, all has a different viewpoint of how that loved one should be treated or how things should go. This is how I bring unity. I would walk into this group and I'd say, hey, um, listen, do all of y'all love this lady? And everybody would go, absolutely. I said, okay. So all of you love this lady, and then all of you, do you want the best for this lady? They agree to that. I said, well, hey, guess what we're going to do from this point forward? All of us are going to fight for what's best for her. Not what we want, but what she would want and what's best for her. And so all of a sudden you have this common ground, even if you have differences. Listen, a Christian can't expect full unity with a non-Christian. You cannot expect them to act as if they have faith if they're living faithless. 2 Corinthians 6.15 says, What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? Some of you are like, yeah, that's the word. They're the devil. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Listen, just because you confront something doesn't mean, again, that it's going to work out. But what you want to make sure you do is that you operate in obedience and love. Okay? You, you, I often say faith is this, doing everything that you can 
and everything that you should while trusting God for everything that only he can do. Listen, some family and friends that were once very close, I bet this hits home for some of you in some relationship in your family. Uh, it, people that, that as family or friends that at one time were extremely close and they let one major issue keep them apart the rest of their life. Don't be that person that allows that if you can do anything about it. Don't quit fighting on your knees and through your love to be close to your family. If you ask me, are you supposed to have a great relationship with all of your family? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can, is that always possible? No, it's not. You know, there comes, uh, again, we'll get to that in a moment. Where, where, where's that stopping point? Listen, I know that sometimes a relationship is not just possible. Um, it's just not possible sometimes because that person is just not ready to let things go. But I ask you, is your attitude right? And are you willing to be the better man or the better woman in confronting certain things? I have a feeling that each of you, there's someone in your life that God is speaking to you through this message saying, hey, you need to just keep figuring out not, not um, if you need to confront something, but how you will do that. Which brings me to number four. You got to consider your approach. If you're a Approaching something heavy, you've got to consider your approach. You've heard the saying, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. If you walk in like a bull in a china shop, I can pretty much tell you, it's just going to come out. You're going to be more stewed up. They're going to be more stewed up. Listen, you've got to let God settle your heart. Write this down. Getting the last word doesn't mean you win. I was always that person, Okay. At home, uh, I mean, got to get in the last word. And now I realize everybody loses. Not only do I say words that I shouldn't say, but um, again, getting saying everything you wanted to say doesn't equal victory. When I come in to preach to you, this is exactly what I do. I mean, I spent countless hours always, so it's always a big deal to me that anybody's listening to the message that God's given me because I spent a lot of hours and a lot of time for my family to make sure that I hear what God wants me to say. But I still go, okay, God, when I'm with the people, if I don't need to say something, let it not come out my mouth. If I do need to say something that I've not written, let it be. Listen, getting the last word in doesn't mean you win. In fact, with heavy confrontation, too many words is often going to make things worse. I think the scripture says when there are many words, sin is not absent. We got to be slow to speak, especially when we're angry. We got to approach things God's way. Anytime we approach things like a bull in a china shop, things are going to get uglier. Things are going to get worse. They're going to leave away feeling worse. We're going to leave away feeling worse. We're going to leave away. We might have had a small fire, but now we got a wildfire. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. How often does our attitude dictate the approach? If we're confronting something with another brother or sister in Christ, I'm going to say this. I get so upset with watching people who claim Christ and look nothing like him. We should be the most loving people on the planet, and we certainly should know how to get along with each other, okay? 
And I don't even mind telling you this. This is how much we care about this in this church. If you're somebody who just likes to fight and mess up other people and this and that, we'd rather you find some other church because we don't allow that here. Everybody's somebody here. Everybody matters here. Everybody is, is loved here. You know, the people of God need to quit fighting with each other. I hate how it is. You know, everybody acts like, you know, it, 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 listen, I understand we got Carolina Clemson in football, but that's how most believers act in the church. But listen to what Jesus says about how you handle things with other believers, okay? Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the, the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. See, the goal is not to go win the argument. The goal is to hope to win the relationship, okay? But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Listen, the first thing we have to do is we need to go to people and not just talk about people. We've all done it. And listen, what happens when we put off confronting something is things just fester more inside until we explode when we actually say it. But, our, but the first goal is to go to them directly and talk to them privately about a situation. If that doesn't work and it's a relationship that you need to, to confront, and particularly if this was happening inside the church, then you take one or two other brothers or sisters in Christ, people of level and Christ-like mindsets, okay? Not, not people that are going in there to be on your side, people who are walking in there only wanting one side, and that's God's side. And so you bring them into the equation, and, and they're there to, to, to make sure you stay under control and make sure that, that, that they help in any form or fashion to try to maybe bring better understanding between you and that person. And then if that doesn't work, you, you, you love them, but if they're not living in your household, then you just kind of have to leave them where they are. You know, sometimes I, I see people that um, are trying to do certain things with their grown kids. And there comes a point that you need to understand, you might be their parent, but really now you're, at best, you're their coach. You, you can't be their referee. You, you, can't, you can't always, again, reach in and, 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 and fix everything. You know, you go deal with it. You say what you need to say. You do what you need to do in a, in a Christ-like way. You talk directly to them, not about them. You go to people not in attack mode, but in love and prayer. Before you say a word, you should be making sure that, hey, God, take over me completely. If I was dealing with any one of you in a situation, all I'd be praying is this. God, help me to, help me to reflect you. Help me to reflect you. Help me to keep my composure. And God, um, help me hear what I need to hear and help them hear what they need to hear. Listen, you speak the truth in love. You say what is necessary. You pray for them. You continue to pray for them. And by the way, the people that we feel the most upset with, often they're the first people off our prayer list. They may be on our forehead and our heart because we're upset with them, but we'll, we kind of demote them, okay? We're like, man, I just, if we're honest, we're like, man, I, I hope there is such a thing as karma. Which brings me to this. Number five, you need to consider your accountability. You need to consider your accountability. Being accountable, it means taking responsibility for your actions, 
Now, even as a parent with a child, you can't control what your children do. Okay? You cannot control everything that your children do. You can't control everything your spouse does. You can't control everything that any family or friend or other people around you, you do. But God wants you, one of the healthiest things anybody does is taking responsibility for themselves. Okay? That's what accountability is. The Bible's very clear that we all will give an account of ourselves to God. Whether we think our actions matter or not, or whether anybody else thinks their actions matter or not, all of us give an account and we'll give an account for our actions. Romans 14, 12 through 13 says each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. This is just coming to my heart to say right now. Some of you have some people in your life right now, the reason why you can't point them to Christ is because you cussed them out so much they won't listen. Okay? I've burned bridges before too. I might not have been cussing, but I was snuffing. Not snuffing what y'all thinking I'm snuffing. Edit that out. That was just, that was, that was the lightning mood while we go back to this intensity. Listen, you are not responsible for how somebody else does. But sometimes you are. Sometimes we're responsible for fanning the flame of confusion. Sometimes we're responsible for saying things that we shouldn't have said. Sometimes we're responsible because our attitude still sucks. Sometimes we are responsible because we have not shown any difference in us and we've not been an example and listen, in those moments, you have to do just what I've done with my kids before whenever I've lost it. I'm going go to I go to my kids fast, they'll tell you. I'm like, listen, when I tell you I'm sorry for how I, what I said and how much I got upset about this or that, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I said, now, and, I, and I always try to tell them, I said, one day you're going to have a son just like, just like I got, and you're going to go heal Billy Deluxe too. But I said, you know, there, there's a right and there's a wrong way to handle things. I want my kids and I want my wife and I want my friends and I want my family to know that I will take full responsibility for my actions, past, present, or future. Because, listen, you're going to always have things. Listen, none of us are perfect. Amen? Again, that two wrongs don't make a right. I want you to think about things in this capacity. Why don't we focus on what you can control and then we give God control? We trust God as it were. Matthew 12, 36, Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an accounting for every careless or useless word that they spoke. Listen, sometimes we feel like if we don't do something to get even with that person or to put them in their place, they'll never get what's coming to them. Listen, they got what's coming to them. First of all, when you're not right with God, you can't have peace with God. Okay? But God wants you to understand you're not the judge, you're not the jury, and no one escapes consequence for their actions. But it's not your right, nor is it your permission, to go out and play God. God says in his word, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, he says, don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. A man will always reap just the kind of crops he sows. If he sows to please his own wrong desires, he will be planting seeds of evil, and he will surely reap a harvest of spiritual decay and death. But if he plants the good things of the Spirit, he will reap the everlasting life that the Holy Spirit gives him. And by the way, I really do believe it takes two people to tango. Don't dance with the devil. It, it, listen, it's best that you 
Don't approach something or you walk away from it if you know that your heart and your mind is not at a point where anything coming out your mouth is going to be any good or God. Some of you, what's the next step you need to take in confronting something? Because the relationship matters too much. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about how, you know, the majority of people out in, in the world, um, and many of you can identify with this, you, you deal with blended families. And you, you, and, and you have past relationships and this and that. You know what everybody has to try to do? Everybody has to try to, to get on God's side and say, hey, we want God's best for everybody. And listen, once you've done what you can do, once you know you're doing what you can do, you got to let go and let God. Sometimes the best thing you can do is not say anything or do anything more, but actually put it in your prayer each night. God, I do pray that you repair this right. I have people right now that I love dearly. I don't mind if they ever hear this message. I really don't because they know I love them. I mean, there's, there's people I love to death that have blocked my number, and I've never done anything ever ill to them, ever. Sometimes I'm just in the middle of car wrecks in a sense. But you know what I keep doing? I keep loving them. I love them to death. In fact, um, it, there's certain people, if they were to text me and say, hey, will you please meet me at the Mexican restaurant for lunch Tuesday? I'm there because I'm going, man, I have prayed a long time for this. I, I don't have anything ill in my heart. You know, I've had times in my life where I had things that I didn't realize had grown in my heart that I didn't let go of. And now I'm free because not only did I confront them, but I've let them go. Okay? Everybody's human. Listen, you need healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries are often necessary. But so is confrontation. As we close out today, I want you to hear that again. Consider your alternatives. Consider the, the attitude, your audience, your approach, and your accountability. You do what you're supposed to do the way God wants you to do it. You leave everything else. One thing I've learned as a pastor is it's not my job to fix any of you, nor is it your job to fix me. It is our job to let God take over us. Would you bow your heads with me today? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you, Lord, for just the, um, the peace that you've given me. Lord, the, 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 the restored joy that you've given me, Lord, as you continue to show me how to um, work through things, Lord, instead of just run away from things. Lord, there are relationships represented right now from those that are listening to this message that need to be repaired. There are pains that need to be healed. Lord God, there is resolve that needs to be had. And I am praying, God, that first and foremost, you would help that person to know what the next right step is for them. Lord, if they're a believer in Jesus Christ, may they, Lord, let your spirit lead them and not their flesh. Lord, may they, Lord, let go and let you take charge. God, may, may they know that, God, you can handle the things that they can't handle. Lord, may they do what they need to do with love and compassion and genuineness and humility. Lord, we give to you all the difficult things in our lives that we're dealing with or will deal with. God, help us to represent you as children of God. God, I give you all things right now in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open. I'm available here should you want to speak with me.
Um, I want y'all to see something. It just, it just hit me. I'm, you talk about gratefulness. Um, most of y'all know my son had several surgeries to his left leg. He'll have several more soon on his right leg. But um, uh, about three, four days ago, he's moved from the wheelchair to the walker. Walk on up here, Ashley. I want you to show him. And uh, you, you might not think that's much to it, but when you're walking, when your good foot is still needing major surgery and can't even keep balance, it's a pretty big deal. And um, listen, at 13, when you're six foot tall and 170, it's hard to drag yourself around. But I'm so proud of you with where he is, okay? Very happy about it. Yep. You, you can... You can go back there, but um, hey, he like you said, he said um, even though he's like that, he can still pray with you. So he's available over here, but um, I just it came to my heart and mind while we were singing "Greater You, Lord," because I'm so happy about um how things uh, are with that. Um, if you're visiting with us for the very first time, please take the time fill out one of those blue communication cards. Uh, put that um, get, bring that over here if you don't mind. We got a free gift for you, or if you don't feel comfortable with that, just drop that in one of our giving boxes back there. We are so glad that you came today. You could have been anywhere else. Um, by the way, just let me ask, because I want to know just for fishing purposes. Is it still raining out there? It's not. Is this supposed to be clear the rest of the day? It, oh, man. Okay. Well, hey, God bless you. God's with you anyway. I was just hoping that y'all would give me a better forecast. Y'all have a great day.